0: You are listening to the Echo Church Podcast, and we are on a mission of rescue and restoration into a vibrant and fulfilled life. Hey everybody, welcome down to the Echo Church Podcast. This week, we start a brand new series we're really excited about called Generous. Uh, We are finally wrapped up that we are the Echoes, and uh, in the, the theme of generosity, I thought we would... Zip around the lobby here and ask some folks about the last time they were generous. We have uh, Sean Fagan here today. Sean, what was the last thing that you gave somebody? What do you remember?
1: Well, we did just get our stapler back from my brother in law. He had that for a while. Not <laughs> like a regular stapler, but you know, like a bigger stapler. <laughs> step up from the regular stapler. It was important to us Sean's being, got it. Back.
0: Sean's being generous with his stapler, oh, folks. Yeah. Great We've had insight, Sean. It was quite a while. It was quite a while. Phenomenal, good work. <laughs> hey Christy, funny to see you here in the lobby.
2: Good to see you. <laughs> what a surprise. Hi guys, thank you for coming. Thank you. Didn't
0: expect to see you here. You either. Oh, it's good to see you. Um, I don't, are you generous? Have you ever given anybody anything? Never. Okay.
3: Well, let's ask Kaya. Kaya. Hey Kaya,
0: what was the last thing that you gave to somebody as like a gift?
3: I give Jovi all of my things because she's my BF. She's her BF. Very good. Did
0: you appreciate that, Jovi?
2: Yes. Kaya, Kaya is definitely known where she'll get a 60-pack container of grape gum, and it will be given away in, on one bus ride because she gives it to every friend. Zakaya, so you know what you do? You what? live with open hands. You know what open hands means? When you're generous and you share everything that you have. Proud of you.
0: Are these your keys? We just have a public service announcement. If you left your keys and potentially your car at Echo Church on Sunday morning, we have them here for you. So if if you walked home instead of driving home, please contact us about finding your keys. Thank you.
1: Hello, Connie. Bye,
0: Connie. So you might have noticed a couple weeks on the podcast I was missing. It was because I had a baby. And I got scathing reviews from the host for that week, Tom Fleslin, and I just want to talk to him about it because I was hurt and offended um, and I just want to, I just want to get things, clear it out. Tom? Yep, that was, that
1: podcast was horrible. Uh, no, I, I, think, I think it's all in the eye of the beholder. Um, for you, it's horrible because we had, from what I heard, 45,000 listens to that podcast. Every other ones have been um, in like the hundreds. So that podcast, I mean, it brought us into the stratosphere. And I know there's, a, I can just sense a little, some bitterness in your voice. And I think that's something that you maybe need to, to work on. So I, so first of all, thank you. We did hit the top 100 charts because of that episode. So
0: That's thank right. you, I guess, first of yeah. all. Yep. But also, I, I'm not sure it was because of your talent. Well. Um, but I, I think there was one redeeming quality of that was your review of the bathroom.
1: Yeah. Yes. No, I had a lot of, lot of great, great feedback on that. Uh, people saying that they, they felt like they were there in the bathroom with me, which was really nice to hear. And we do track bathroom attendance, and it's gone up as well. Yeah, oh, I mean, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that that makes me really happy to hear, because that, that is an area. Well, I guess
0: we can bury the hatchet, and uh, yeah. I want to hand this over to you for another review, give people an insight into uh, the chair situation here.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you haven't been here to Echo yet, we have these chairs at Willow Creek. Um, they're custom built and um, here, l- let me just take you up. Is it okay if I just run out? Run? You got five minutes. Okay, All right, here we go. So, I uh, well, let's go up the stairs here. Here we go. We just ran up the stairs, and that... <laughs> okay. I wasn't ready for that, give me a minute. Okay. You hear that? That is an intentional sound that we have applied to every chair here at Echo. It is something that um, we have inserted into our service experience so that we know when you're coming in late. There have been countless times where service, uh, the worship is over, um, we're sitting here enjoying a riveting message from Pastor Andy and/or Christy, and you hear this beautiful shrieking squeak from a chair, and you better know that if that's you, every single head is turning around on a swivel to stare you down. It's wonderful. It our our rate of late. Comers to the service has drastically declined. It's a huge success. Um, everyone is super happy about it. It's only the best here at Echo, always. There's another the nice thing is you can try to sneak in and find a chair that doesn't squeak. <laughs> Good luck to you. I mean, I'm going down the line. There. You hear that we have this place foolproof where no one's coming in late without getting noticed. I mean, oh, that's a real good one. So don't sit in in seat 108 in row N because they'll hear you out in the lobby. Oh, whoa, oh, oh my. You hear that? There's nothing to hear. This one, this is a, a, it feels like it's been greased or something. So we gotta, we gotta get that fixed. What
0: is the last thing that you remember giving uh, or maybe unintentionally borrowing somebody and they never gave back to you um, lately? Do you have anything for us?
2: The last
3: thing that I... Well, I have daughters, so they're always borrowing, and giving and taking, but... never really give Well, yeah, but...
0: Any comments on that?
3: No.
1: Well <laughs> I just remember Lizzie borrowed the waffle maker and then it broke and she never gave it back.
0: Okay. Let's dive deeper into that story. We're gonna go back to Lizzie here. We're gonna get a we're gonna get a first hand analysis. Um, we've just heard that you borrowed a waffle maker and then broke it and never gave it back. So you were generously given. Is that correct? We just wanna confirm that story. Oh,
2: this is correct unfortunately so it feels
0: good to receive generosity yeah but what, what my
2: sister didn't say or my mother didn't say is that i was in a car accident and somebody rear-ended me and that's why i didn't give it back
0: but it is a true story so generosity is good as generosity a is a really great thing okay.
2: as a receiver I just wanted to i'm very that. yes i do receive a lot of generosity in life people tend to feel bad for me so they give it to me <laughs>
3: with an amen from everybody. Amen. Hey, so we have, this is like week seven. Any of you, you're not counting the weeks that you're here, but you've counted now the weeks that you've missed. Any of those people here, you know what I'm saying? okay, like, yeah, I missed one, two. Okay, so you are official Echo members. So way to go, way to go. Uh, but we've been, uh, we've been in a series and just kind of defining our values. And last week, what we talked about how, uh, is this, uh, this idea of how can we balance being uh, and having a life full of mission with purpose, but then staying on mission. That we've been, honestly, we're born with something in mind, that God has a purpose for us. But we do life long enough, man, it's just easy to get off task. It's easy to to, to veer off path. And so we talked about that and, and, and mission is this big word. And so what I wanna do is just for the next few weeks is to begin to define what mission is to us. And if we were gonna use one word that I think the Bible defines our mission to be, it's using the word generosity. That we are called to be on a mission of generosity, that we are called to be generous people. If you were to go online, you've done some research about ECHO just to see kind of what we're all about. You would go to our value page and what you would read is this, is that Jesus is our savior, our guide, and our friend. Jesus, the son of God, gave all, so we aspire to give all and live within radical generosity. This is a founding component of who we are as a church, yet it means, and what we strive to be as individuals. And so if there's any one person in the Bible that got to live next to generosity his whole life, it's James. And so if you have your Bible, will you go ahead and open up to the book of James, uh, chapter one and verse eight. And when you get to this, uh, we're gonna eventually read it. But I wanna let you know just before I read it, the book of James is written by James. It's a really lame joke. This is an opportunity to fake laugh. (laughs) But who this thank you, thank you, thank you. I heard that laugh. I heard that laugh. Uh, But the book of James is written by James, the brother of Jesus. Historians and theologians believe that it's Jesus' own younger brother who has written this. And if there's anybody who would understand generosity firsthand, it would be the brother. Of Jesus, which is James. And so James 1.8 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously. In my mind, as I think about James as Jesus's younger brother, any younger brothers here? I'm a middle child, so I, told, I totally get it. I, there is this moment where, where my brother, well, you know, all brothers, all the, you know, we like to fight, right? We're fighters, not lovers, you know, so, so just at each other's necks all the time. And as a younger brother, I always try to get like, you know, my way and to kind of weasel my way in. And this one particular moment, we're fighting over the three wheeler and who's going to drive it and go mudding and do whatever we're going to do. And I remember pushing and shoving and, and I was like leaning in. And just as my brother was trying to start the, uh, the pole court, he went back and he like elbowed me in the face. And it started the three-wheeler, and he went off, but I knew how I could get that three-wheeler. I ran over to Mom. <laughs> Holding and crying, you know, as best as I could. And I said, Mom, Ryan just hit me. And I think about Jesus, and I think about the brother, his brother James, and I, I can honestly, like, the way that my mind works is I could see that moment where James comes to Mary you know, the mother of Jesus, their mother, and says, hey, mom, Jesus hit me again. And, and I can just envision Jesus standing behind Mary grinning as Mary goes, no, Jesus wouldn't do that. <laughs> so if there's someone firsthand that experienced Jesus, it was him. In fact, generosity, you really can't fake it within the home. The people that are closest are the hardest to convince when it comes to generosity, to our love, even our peace, our our you know the purpose that we live in, our just general love, you can't easily easily uh, trick those people that are close and I close and I think the same thing is with James. In fact, historians say that you know for those Bible geeks out there that really care about this is is that James uh, they believe that James was not a believer in who Jesus was until he himself experienced the post resurrected Jesus. After he had died and he had rose again and he had come amidst the disciples, that was the moment that James, his own brother, was like, okay, now I can believe. Because like I said, I think when we we go into this series in the next few weeks and we dive into this concept or into this book of James as we kind of read about the generosity and the type of generosity that God wants us to live Uh, It's the people that are closest that have the hardest time with it. And James is one of those. And and what I find absolutely um, riveting is this, is the book of James, the first point that James makes about God. And this first point he's trying to make clear is this, is that God is generous. And I think if you followed Jesus long enough, you would agree that God is generous but I think what's unique is, is looking at who's, who he's writing this book to. And, and again, if you do a little study, you find out that the audience are Jewish Christians who have been dispersed throughout the land because of persecution. So the very first thing that James wants to tell the have-nots The ones that are struggling, maybe in their faith, they're struggling in life. They're trying to to be the first generation of followers of Jesus Christ is this one concept. God is generous. Because if there's any and ever a time where we doubt God's generosity, it's in that moment of lack. It's in the moment when our health is at all time low. It's in the moment when we don't have what God is asking, and what James does here to those types of believers is he's saying, "Guess what? Regardless of your current reality, God is generous." Can I hear an amen? Now, we have to understand about the Jewish Christians, is they would have grown up in the Jewish uh, really schooling system, and so they would have been really demanded and really the schooling system that they would have gone through, they would have just known their Older or their, their Testaments, their, their Scriptures, like they would know the back of their hand. And so when James writes this, is if you lack wisdom, then you should ask. It should remind the people that were listening and reading at that point or hearing those words read to them, should remind them of a man named Solomon in first. Kings. And if, if you want, just as you take notes, and maybe later this week, you can go ahead and read it. But I'm going ahead and just paraphrase and tell you a little bit of story about young King Solomon. And young King Solomon has just been given the throne of leadership in Israel. And he's got this huge, huge shadow. And that shadow is King David. And the expectations of a nation upon a son to lead as well, if not better, than the iconic King David. And it says that in a dream, God comes to Solomon, and, and God says, "This, what shall I give you?" Now, just think about this. In James, the reading, if you lack wisdom, then ask. In 1 Kings, God comes to Solomon and asks Solomon, "What do you want?" In which David, I'm sorry, Solomon responds, "I am a mere child, and I don't know how to lead." I don't think it's a far, far-fetched idea to think that he directly has the image of his father, has the image of who he was and how he accomplished so many great things for the nation of Israel. And he comes in a humble state with a heavy weight upon his shoulder and says, I'm just a mere child and I don't know how to leave. And what Solomon asks is so admirable. He says this, if you're going to give me anything, God, give me wisdom. Give me the ability to, to, to discern What is good and evil? I mean, don't we all want to have that magical genie in the bottle moment with God? We're like, hey, let God ask us something like that. And what Solomon doesn't do is what most of us would want to do and say, just give me everything. Give me the riches. And I think this illustrates God's generosity. Generosity. In his response to Solomon, he's, he more or less responds, because you've asked. And I believe it's because he came in a humble state. and he, he came in this order. He says, not only am I going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you all other things as well. And I think this illustrates generosity. I think the people, as they heard the story of Solomon, as they would have been reminded of the King, king Solomon in his stay as a young man, not having much. He had a title, but he didn't have the cred. That the people that were persecuted in the area would have been reminded of the generosity of God, as we come before him, no matter our state and, says, and say this: God give us wisdom, give us wisdom. The book of James in 19, it says this, it says, uh, "Let the brother, let the brother in humble circumstances." boast about his high position. And those who are rich brothers boast about being humbled. I think that this is directly speaking about the condition of the people and saying, even though you have little, just be encouraged because this is where God can be truly generous in your life. See, I believe a wise person, as we ask God for wisdom in our own life, understands that a current situation in life does not define God's generosity. If I have little or if I have much, God is generous. True, true generous people are compelled to give, not because of a circumstance, but because of a calling callings of being sons and daughters of a father in heaven that is absolutely the most generous being in existence that he was willing to give his son up so that we might be able to step in towards God. When we have little or much, God calls us to be faithful. And we must understand this is no matter if we have much, if we have little, God de- designs, I think, that situation to begin to refine us. And so we should be people that are welcoming the test. And I got to thinking about the test and trials in our life. And, you know, I think if we're being honest, most of us have it pretty easy. Some of us, we've come into echo and maybe we've had a pretty hard life and we acknowledge that as well. Uh, But when these small tests or big tests arise, the question is, is, will we persevere? Will we hold on to this promise that God is generous? And will, will we continue to be people that ask, God, give me wisdom. Help me pass this test. And I think what's significant about this test concept and what I've learned in this last year, particularly, is this. God doesn't test you so that he might know. God tests you so that you would know. Because in the midst of trials, in the, in the midst of having little The person you start doubting more than others is yourself. And God, in essence, is saying, guess what? Blessed, in verse 12, says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who loved him. Here's my point. If God is generous, then wisdom would say that we should be generous no matter the circumstance. I'm going to ask Christy to come up here and just begin or continue the conversation about how we can apply generosity to our everyday ordinary life.
2: Yeah, so Andy and I, when we were discussing the topic on generosity, we had the analogy of a work week. How many of you, how many of you in here have a job?
3: How many in here love working?
2: Love working. And I think a lot <laughs> of times, down. you know, we get mixed up with generosity and like, let's say you work 40 hours and you're like, "Well, I'm generous. I work my 40 hours." You know, and I think we are joking about, "Okay, so if I'm going to work, I'm going to set some goals. I'm not going to, you know, take more than two breaks a day. I'm not going to check my social media. You know, maybe you go and hide somewhere, check your check your gram or check your Facebook." No, no one here. Um no one. No one relates, just us. But I think a lot of times, you know, we think, well, we're being generous. Like I'm giving my job 40 hours a week. And I think a lot of times when generosity steps in is when we're working 41 hours, we're working 42 hours, 43 hours. You're giving more than what is required. And we're talking about a lot more than just your job. You know, that's just the example. So in your life, you know, I think a lot of times that we can just get in this trap. I know that I do and I have, and I'm constantly working on, going beyond what I what is required and going beyond. I'm just like, you know, here are the expectations that I have for you, Christy. And, you know, I'm my own boss, so I set the standard, but I'm constantly trying to challenge myself to do more, to give more, to be more. And I think that it's just when you look at what is acceptable and just the common, you know, ground that we live in, it's doing something that maybe gets, a, gets you a little uncomfortable. You know, and I think of a pie graph, And we all have these things that take up our time, right? Or our resources or our money or just everything, even just having a family. And I think that sometimes God wants to shift where we're putting our time and our effort in the pie graph. you know. And you may be like, there's no way I can do that. But it's getting uncomfortable and asking the questions, what can I do more? And I think about radical generosity is open-hand living. If I'm being completely honest and just transparent with you guys is that my natural instinct, my natural tendency is closed hand living. You know, like I don't want to give more than I want to give sometimes. Or I get in this trap. I remember back in college where I was like, well, I'll give more when I have more money. Or I'll I'll serve or I'll volunteer here or I'll give some of my time when I'm not working two jobs. You know, and I think that we can get in this Like position where we have excuses, or we think grass is greener on the other side, or maybe next year. But God is calling us to step out and to be radical. And Andy and I have a quote that we use a lot: "Is radical is a movement." We've used it for years, but it's that movement. It's taking steps every single day because radical is a movement. It's not staying in place or settling where we where we were last year versus this year. Am I making sense?
3: Yeah, and let me just add to this. generosity is always gonna cost you something. I think what's difficult in today's day and age is we live in a culture of comparison. And so we look at our 40 hour work week, as Christy mentioned that story or that mini illustration, it's easy to feel like you're a generous worker when you only steal a few pens, when you only look at the gram a few times, when you meet the expectation, but generosity is what goes beyond expectation. And that's what we just want to infuse into the culture of who we are collectively, but also individually, that God desires to give us wisdom to be generous just as God is.
2: And I think it's readiness. You know, when you look up the word generosity, it's readiness, it's availability, and it's starting every single day like, what do I have to give? And maybe you're sitting in here right now and you're like, I have nothing Like, I am depleted, or I'm going through the hardest time of my life. We know that life can be crazy, and we can be in the deepest valleys, but it's just that readiness of, like, I'm going to step out, and I'm going to try. You know, and I think a lot of times it's easier to give to other people that aren't close to us. I know my biggest challenge is, like Andy touched on earlier, is it's the people that are closest to you that get the worst. I'm completely guilty of that. And so when we think of generosity, we love using the book of James. I know... This past year has definitely been the hardest year that we have been through as a couple and as a family. And I can't even tell you how many times I've read the book of James as just like my guide when I want to act out, run my mouth, and quit. And so when we look at James, what we're going to be doing in the next four Sundays after today is really unpacking what he says and how we are to live our life. And so when we think of generosity, the first one is we want to be generous through worship. And worship isn't... Like, worship is beyond just singing words on a Sunday morning. Worship is faith. It's having a prayer, like praying. It's, it's being extreme and having an adoration towards God. And maybe you're like, I don't even know how to do that. But it's just trying, and it's speaking life. It's our words and everything like that. And so second one is work. And again, beyond your job, but just like, God, what can I use? What can I do to worship you? Or what can I do to be generous? And, you know, maybe like for me as a hairstylist, who can I give a free haircut to and just bless? Someone that can't necessarily afford a haircut. Or maybe it's like seeing someone and seeing a need and like, I have the skill set. I can come and do this for you. I just think it's the seeing people where they're at and not just walking by. Um, third one is through our words.
3: Christy, you're beautiful. Thanks,
2: Andy. Um, You're handsome. But, you
3: know, like... It just is practicing. we like
2: to tear each other down sometimes, guys. Never. Never. We're not real. But no. I think words, like words are so important. What are we saying? What are, are we rolling our eyes? Are we annoyed? Are we speaking life into people? Are we rallying people? Are we cheering Don on in the first row? We love you, yeah, Don. He's
3: cheering us on.
2: Don does. Don does encourage us all the time. But I just think like our speech, our language, how we're carrying ourselves. And you know what? Sometimes Andy likes to call me out on that. And I cannot be generous in my response either when he's calling me out.
3: Okay, Chris.
2: Oh, (laughs) our nicknames are Chris and Randy. They're they're Uh. great. Um, The fourth one that we're going to go through is wealth. What we have, our resources, our time, our talent. And again, this is way more than money. This is just the wealth because guess what? We have so much more than the average person and we are constantly being you know reminded of the situations that go across like in our city and globally and we want to be a church that is generous through our wealth and our resources. And so I have an example that I thought of we were discussing just moments of generosity of stories that have happened to us or us helping other people and about 12 years ago we were on a mission trip we actually took a group of teenagers down to um, Pueblo, Mexico, and we were working at an orphanage, and while we were there, it was August and there was crazy rainstorms here in Minnesota. And this is before social media, and so we didn't have smartphones, we weren't getting like we weren't checking in with people back in Rochester besides a couple emails the entire trip. And while we were down there, we had someone house-sitting for us. We didn't have kids yet, but we had a dog. He was our first child. Mm. Anyone have any any dog Anybody has
3: a first child and has four legs?
2: Our dog bit everyone. His name was Smeagol. He was hideous.
3: (laughs) He acted more like Gollum. He was the worst dog. He was generous and biting. It was brilliant.
2: There's people here who got bit by Smeagol. It was bad. And you
3: know what? That was a blessing.
2: It was a blessing.
3: Yes, that was his way of, of showing love.
2: Yep. Yep, and that's why we got rid of him. (laughs) So we had our friend Chelsea dog sitting for us, and she had been up. We had our little ranch house, and she's on the main level, and she had noticed Smago was MIA. So she's looking around and calling for him, and she hears him crying in the basement. And so she looks at the basement, and he's on the couch. She steps onto the carpet when she gets off our stairs, and she is in like six-plus inches of rain water in her house. So she's like, oh. And so our diva dog wasn't going to walk in the rain, so he was sitting on the couch. So we get this random email from her like, what do I do? Like she's, you know, in college dog sitting and now our house is just destroyed. And so when we had gotten back to Rochester we were completely overwhelmed because there was a group of people that came together, not because they had to, but because they saw the need and they ripped out all of our carpet, took all of our furniture and put it in the garage and on the deck. It looked like we were having a garage sale. They were running commercial grade fans and they took care of us. We weren't even there. And I was super anxious being in Mexico, not having control, thinking about all my earthly possessions being damaged. And we get back and on top of it, our doorbell rang a couple days into being home and A person, Aaron, had come to our house and he delivered us a check for $500 that all these teenagers had given to us, parents, and just blessing our family so we could get flooring. Because we were in a position where we couldn't afford it. We didn't have the means to just go and buy new flooring. And so and they knew Andy Cass would make us sit with an unfinished basement for a decade. But it was just the generosity of them coming together and showing up. And it was all of them pooling together and doing something awesome. And that... Day affected me and it showed me of just the power of community, power of generosity, and looking beyond ourselves. Amen.
3: Thank you, Christy. Generosity, when you receive it, is a picture of the mission that God has put us on. Generosity and a practical reality, if it's worship, it's faith, it's trust, if it's even prayer. If you, if if James, we're going to find out, it talks about how do we, how do we balance work and worship? It's one of the same thing. And when we receive the work of someone else as, as a form of generosity, of love and hope, it's, it gives us hope. When it comes to speech, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's so easy to tear down. It's so easy to jump to a conclusion. But the book of James is beginning, and it will be, or it has, and it will begin to teach us how we can worship God, how we could be generous even in our speech and, and through wealth and resource, our time and our talent. And we're so excited for the next few weeks to just go over that. And, and, and really, as a church, how can we be built into Generosity. How can that be in the fabric of our being? And uh, we, we want to be people who are ready, as Christy had mentioned. Online, we've written this for all to see that we are key holders. We've once been robbed, but now we're found. And we're on a mission, mission of rescue and restoration. See, Jesus saves, but we're called to echo. And we're called to hold our key. And some of you have read that and you've asked, what does that mean? It's the image of when it's raining and it's downpouring, a person will have key in hand as they run out to their car. It's the person in the image of someone maybe that might be fearful of the dark and they've got to walk a long way that's maybe a little dark. And what they do is they put their key in their hand, ready to respond so they can step into the light. In the same way, we wanna be this type of church. We wanna be on mission and we feel like on mission is to be a generous person and people. It's to be people of goodness, that we would carry the love that we've received from Jesus. Acts 1-8, as, as his disciples were gathering in one place, they were reminded they were to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And missionally, I believe that God wants wants us to be generously echoing that reality, not only here, but there and everywhere we go. And for those in a very practical way and and, an easy way to remember, I believe that God wants us to be generous, not only in our home, but in that second zone maybe the, our platform, maybe our workplace, maybe our neighborhood, and then also to be generous in the unknown. I think it's absolutely significant that, that God reminds us that we are to be re, really witnesses everywhere, that we are to carry the generosity that has been so generously given us through Jesus. And so we are to keep that key in hand. And I think it's time for us, not only to collectively, but to individually be intentional to hold that key.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Echo Church podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take just a second to share it with a friend or family member who might need to hear this word today. And if you're feeling alone, lost, have a question, or want help with anything, please reach out to us, we are theecho.church slash contact. We would love to help you no matter who you are or where you're at. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more, make sure to head over to that website, we are the echo. Church, to get all the details and upcoming services and events.